0: The Late Show, Pancho,
1: with Stephen Colbert.
0: My guest tonight changed late-night comedy as the host of the Arsenio Hall Show. He now stars in the new movie coming to America, a sequel to the original. Please welcome to a Late Show, Arsenio Hall. Arsenio, thanks for being here, man.
1: Well, thank you for having me, sir. I, I guess I planned on meeting you one day, but not this way. I, you in New York, wherever you are on Zoom, and me sitting in front of Rick Ross's house.
0: Uh. <laughs> well, well, I feel a strong urge. As somebody who watched late night TV a lot, I have a strong urge to go, ooh, 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 ooh. when I see you do, you, do people still do that to you everywhere you go?
1: Yes, you know, I'll forever be that guy from Cleveland who brought the bark to late night. I taught dogs to bark, Stephen. But you know, when my son was little, it was crazy because we'd walk through malls and when you're two, nobody prepared you in heaven for the fact that people will bark at your father. And for a long time, he just got used to it. But one day he did ask, why do they bark? There are a lot of people. I have people who say, woot, woot, and they make different noises. A lot of people don't even realize it's a dog, Stephen. But the dog pound, how could they not know? I swear to you, twice a week, someone either says on Twitter, woot, woot, or <laughs> woo, woo, woo. And it, that's a Jeffrey Osborne song, can you? Woo, woo, woo. That is a whole different guy.
0: But at least they're barking at their father in a friendly way. It's all
1: affectionate. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I've always been thankful for that. People who confront me, it's always something positive it's it it may be annoying but never mean oh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi. oh i didn't expect that
0: reaction oh, oh oh that's interesting yeah oh it's nice yeah i that must be nice <laughs> oh uh i want to i want to i want to uh, talk about the new movie i got a lot i got a million questions for you but first i want to know how are you doing how how are you and your family during covid it's it's we can see light at the end of the tunnel but how has the tunnel been for you
1: wow It's been incredible. First of all, if your relationship can last through this, you know you have a good relationship because a lot of relationships have fallen by the wayside during this. It's hard when you can't leave and you're just with the one you love. So me and my girl are doing great. My son, uh, he tests himself and comes to visit dad sometimes because he doesn't want to kill dad. And uh, That's nice. My mom... I'm spending a lot of money on yarn and weed. Of course, weed for me and yarn for her. I had to find her a hobby. And um she's making hats.
0: Oh, that like what kind of hats?
1: We're we talking like like knit caps and stuff like that? Y- yeah, she, she's made this year 79 hats. And here's how crazy it is. You know, I, I've done 40 interviews this week. But my mother made a hat for you and it's I think she saw you with Anderson Cooper and anybody she sees with Anderson Cooper, she loves, which I think is a mistake as a rule of thumb. But, uh, <laughs> but for some reason, she's a huge fan, and I'm gonna send, I'm gonna mail it to you. She actually made you a hat. Can I? Do you have it there? can you, can you show me? Yeah. Oh, oh I have it. Uh, we boxed it up, and we're gonna send it. Apparently, there's a a Bob Mas- Mackie kiosk at her house. I don't know how she got this box, <laughs> but. Um, it's a sparkly glitter box, and she made you this hat, and she put her name on it. I'm uh,
0: honored. Please tell it. your
1: mother I'm honored. <laughs> she, her name is Annie Hall, but she put Annie M Hall because she's still mad at Woody Allen. She thinks uh, he owes her money or something. A lot, you know? a lot of
0: people are mad at him these days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Well, let's, let's get to the heat of the meat here. You and I have something in common that just not a lot of people do is that hosting a network late-night show, the Arsenio Hall, Hall Show, the first time it was on, what was, the, what was the run? Is it 89 and 95 or something? What was the first run?
1: Yes, that, it was like a six-year run, and then I stepped away and, and had a kid and did a lot of wonderful things, uh, not much work. And the second, I did a reboot that lasted a year, and I don't know how you do what you do, man. You, like, you you did a, a joke last night, a butt dialing from Mars joke. I was dying in my home, and I'm like, but how is he pacing himself? How is he timing himself? He's there with, like, three white guys. I don't, I don't know. know how he does Two. it. Two. Two white guys. <laughs> oh, see, and they're, and they're, they're, they're
0: almost as white as I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, hey, trust me, the butt dialing joke would have killed at the Apollo. Good. Good. Do you...
0: Okay, I want to talk about how that show started. So, what, where, where, did, first of all, you were up against—I don't know—you said you weren't really in competition with Johnny, but you were opposite Johnny, you know, the undisputable king of all. And oh, what, yeah. what, what did that feel like to start that show? I mean, what were the what were the butterflies like?
1: It, it was it was it was amazing because initially, you know how late night can get. I thought that I would no longer be his guy, you know? I had met him, we had talked about magic because we both were magicians. I gotta show this photo
0: of you. You,
1: look at the laugh you're getting out of Johnny
0: Carson, man.
1: Hey, that's what every comic wants. If you can make Johnny Carson go back, that's what every comic wants. And during the commercial, like I said, I was a magician as a kid. So we talked about that and he did a coin trick for me and he did something that we don't do now. He was actually smoking. Oh, yeah. And uh, put the cigarette under the desk. And it was a great experience. And um, Ed McMahon would call me sometimes. Johnny would tell Ed to call me and give me names. yes. Wow. yes. And I didn't wait, have wait, a wait. Cell phone I'm sorry. Anymore.
0: I stepped on that a little bit. Johnny would say, tell Ed
1: to call you to give you names, what, like for guests or something? Yeah, like, like, you know, also, like sometimes Johnny would come across someone he thought was really great, but he didn't discover talent. Me being the young guy, I would put on a new Mariah Carey or a new Will Smith and they would give me names. Like they gave me Usher Raymond once because I guess, uh, Ed knew him from star search. So to know that not only he doesn't hate me, but he tries to help me because the paths were so, so divided, so so distinctly divided. You know, you knew who a Johnny guest was and you knew who an Arsenio guest was.
0: Are you telling me that Johnny Carson told Ed McMahon to tell Arsenio Hall to book Usher?
1: Yes, and I think uh, he said, make sure he knows about Sinbad.
0: (laughs) I heard a story. I had a story. Is it true that you had Will Smith on and he got pitched the Fresh Prince? Backstage?
1: Yes uh, will would stop by sometimes just to hang out. My green room was like this incredible clubhouse. I, I was like the CNN of hip-hop. everybody would gather there. there was no Twitter. I was the blackbird. there was no bluebird and guys would hang out. And once Quincy said when will comes by because I told Quincy he's there all the time he said when will comes by I'd love to pitch something to him. And at some point, we put them in a empty dressing room. Benny Medina, Will Smith, uh, Will's friend Charlie, I think, was there. Ir- irrelevant to the story, probably to you. And Quincy Jones. And then they took it to NBC, the opposing network, and uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air happened. Holy cow. Well, I
0: was just talking with uh, John Baptiste about Mm -hmm. how what he remembers is just the the various titans that you would put together. Like, he remembers Tyson and Muhammad Ali being on. Yeah. And he wanted to know Um, what were they like when the camera was off? Like, were they super competitive?
1: No, they really loved each other. And the respect that Mike and Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard, had for Ali, it was incredible. I could see how it warmed his heart. You know, if Ali would say, like, you know, Mike Tyson would beat me, and Mike would say, "No, no champ, there's no, no way, there's no way." And they would hug him, and it was, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. It was incredible. Next to looking backstage during commercial and seeing Michael Jackson with a mask and orange juice, no night was greater. By the way, Michael had a mask long before we were wearing. K&N I he, he tried to warn
0: us. He tried to warn us, but we didn't listen.
1: <laughs> Yes. He tried to warn us about a lot of things, including a chick named Billy Jean.
0: Sure. Yeah. But the man in the mirror would not listen. You know, you're so right. Thank you. Uh, w- one day, one day we'll learn. I hope we're listening to um, the, the, the Do you, do you, I'm sure you remember this. One of my favorite things was that your show became such a sensation that uh, Dana Carvey, who did Carson, did Carsonio about Carson having to adjust his show to be more like your show because you were so successful. What did that mean to you uh, to be essentially portrayed as Johnny Carson by Dana Carvey, like a combo platter like that?
1: I understand that Carson was like a, a hero for you. Oh, he was. I remember going to get school closed every September, and I would ask my dad... Because I had read in a magazine there was a certain thing called a Johnny Carson suit that he had his own line. And when you're a kid in Cleveland, that's the first time you've ever heard of something like that. The Temptations didn't have their own suits. It was Botany 500, wasn't it? Wasn't Botany 500 made the Johnny Carson suit? And I begged my dad for a Johnny Carson suit. And he bought me a really nice suit. Um, But it wasn't a Johnny Carson suit and I cried. (laughs) I I love Johnny, but I I love talk shows. I used to sit in study hall and practice my autograph and my autograph. I discovered in the daytime after school, one day, I'm watching a lady named Dinah shore and she would sign her name with a D and a line and a dot and a little H. And I would sit in study hall with a piece of typing paper (laughs) I had a typing class, couldn't type. ASDF, JKL, semicolon was as far as I got. Couldn't type at all. And now you don't have to. Now we're like all crack dealers with our thumbs, you know, typing. But but I would sit there with a piece of typing paper and sign A, a line, and a dot. A, a line, and a dot. Just like Dinah Shore. So I wanted to be, I, I wanted to be a late night host. Did you, did you have those dreams? Uh,
0: n- no. This is an accident. It's a happy accident. <laughs> I, 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 when I was younger, I was just, uh, I, I, uh, I just wanted to be, you know, an actor with a beard and wear a lot of black and be like professionally miserable at people. And then I fell in with some improvisers in Chicago and I went, what am I doing? This is so much fe- This is so much more fun.
1: That's where stand up started for me. I used to get teased, uh, Chicago, Second City, uh, Wells Street, Zanies, sure. but I used to get teased in school. There was a guy, I forget his first name, but they used to call him Bridges. And, uh, he used to, uh. I wrote a paper in English. We were supposed to write what our dream was. And I wrote about being a stand-up on weekends in Vegas and doing a late-night show Monday through Friday. And then the teacher made me read it in class. Wow. So in Cleveland, like, I lived in a neighborhood where we used to walk to Jim Brown's house and look because he was, you know, sure. the man. Everybody wanted to be Jim Brown except me. I wanted to be Diana Shore or somebody. <laughs> but uh, but he would tease me because Arsenio rhyme would show in my little... Piece of paper, and, and he would walk up to me in the hall and slap me in the back of the head and say, "When the Senio show starting?" <laughs> and he would laugh and walk away. And uh, did he live jail? long enough? Oh, I'm sorry. Damn it! I stepped on your <laughs> punchline. <laughs> so uh,
0: you not only changed late night, you actually changed politics because this is one of the most famous moments. June third, 1992. Bill Clinton. We take this kind of stuff for granted now that a politician is going to yeah. do anything to get attention how did this happen and did you did you try to get hw bush on just for fairness
1: oh oh yeah cuz back then you always tried to put an offer out to both and i thought bill would say no because Marlon fitzwater i think was the name gave us a no for bush mm. and um then clinton said yes and it shocked me cuz politicians only went on sunday mornings with the exception of Reagan, I think Reagan did Carson once, Mm -hmm. but they would only go Sunday mornings. And he said, yes. And I was shocked. So just like any late night guy, you keep begging. You don't stop until he says, no. I was like, would you, when he got there, Oh no. First by phone, we asked, would you play a saxophone? We heard you play saxophone. He said, yeah, I'll bring my saxophone. I'll I'll practice at the hotel. I'll be ready for you. Tell me what you want me to learn. And uh, he learned two songs. And then um, I asked him when he got there, would you wear my tie? He wore one of my ties. I had crazy ties. Um, yeah, that's my tie. He wore my Ray-Ban sunglasses uh, because we told him this will make this'll make it cool sitting in with the posse, you know. And I eventually asked him uh, if Hillary could come on in the last segment. And he, he said, oh, you, you should ask Hillary. Ask her. I should a- answer for her, which was the perfect answer from a man. Sure. And... Uh, I asked Hillary, and she said yes, she would come out. I remember that picture, dude, because you know how we are. Our life is like a blueprint of jokes. I'm looking at the audience, and uh, right after he finished playing, I said, finally, a, a Democrat blowing something other than the election. That was the joke, and I look in the audience, and I see all these guys talking into their watches or microphones, and I figured I'd be killed after the show.
0: Um, okay, well, now uh, another, an, another uh, beloved return. You're back on screen with your friend Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. Uh, when did you and Eddie first meet?
1: Wow. Um, no cell phones back then. You got to be home to get that call. <laughs> and uh, I was at the crib, and Keenan Ivory Wayans called me and he said, "We all gonna hang out tonight, man. Eddie's in town, and he's got to work on his Tonight Show set at the Improv. So let's all meet at the Improv." And um, we all got to the Improv, and I think Eddie and Damon were the last ones to arrive, uh, separately. And when Eddie walked up, he's just staring at me. We're at, a, at a, a parking meter in front of the Improv, and he's looking at me. And I said, "Hey, how you doing, man?" And he didn't say anything. And, and Keenan said his mother told us that you all looked alike so and, and eddie's staring at me and he says yo brother you don't look like me and and replace brother with your favorite inner city slang uh-huh. uh, he didn't say brother but uh you know we, we throw the n-word around very loosely sometimes when we're alone and uh it, it, it's kind of funny that that's how i'm the first things he said to me yo you don't look like me brother And it it was fun And and we hung out. I remember him walking up to me with a yellow pad and he had an idea on the yellow pad and it was the coming to America idea with no barbershop. It was just a fish out of water situation where two guys come to America looking for a woman. And he had been going through these changes where his life was changing, his career was changing. And he was like, man, it's hard to find a woman who just digs you for you, man. You almost have to meet her in disguise. And that gave him an idea. And he said, African comes to America, wow. he's royalty, and he wants to meet someone who doesn't know he's royalty. That's his, That idea came from his real life. Uh, why did it take more than 30 years for a sequel? Because we're lazy. No, because <laughs> <laughs> it, it took 30 years because we never planned on doing it. Steven, it wasn't supposed to happen. As a matter of fact, we shook and said, let's never do a sequel. We were so happy with it. John Landis put his foot in it. It was perfect. We're never gonna mess with it. But the movie kept following us. It kept tapping us. You know, like Eddie's not into social media at all, but I'm I'm a maniac with social media. I'm on everything. I still do my space. I send smoke signals. I love to communicate with the people. And uh, so I would show him things. Like one time I showed him uh, a text I got from Beyonce's office. She wanted to have a coming-to-America party and have everybody dressed like the characters, and I showed him. He says, wow, he says, that movie just won't go away, and I would, every time, I, I one time showed him video of people outside a restaurant. They had decorated the restaurant as, as McDowell's, and on Halloween they were serving sexual chocolate milkshakes, and I showed him the line. I said, yo, the line is down La Brea past the strip club, <laughs> which we both knew that area and uh uh, so so every time i would show him something and then one time when he finally decided we should do it he came up with the idea and i loved the idea and i'm like yeah man we got to do this but the only thing i hated was he wanted tracy morgan to play his son and i think eddie and tracy look about the same age you know? and, and so, so, well, but, you do, but he's Eddie Murphy. So he's Eddie Murphy, so you have to you have to say it easy, sure. You know, and I like like I. You know what I did is I did it in joke form. I said, "Hey, maybe the third one, Morgan Freeman, can be your son," you know, <laughs> and he laughed, and and he said, "Yeah, let me think about." It. But I want I I want Tracy in it because I love Tracy, and everybody loves Tracy. Well, we we have we have a clip here. Can you tell us what's going on? Um, if it's the clip, I think it is. I'm talking to myself because I'm a very lonely Zamundan. And I think Simi is actually talking to Morris the Barber. So I might be two people in this scene. All right, Jim. So what are you doing back here, idiot I mean? I've just discovered that I may have a son here in this land. How much child support is she getting from? The king pays no child support. No child support for 30 years and you came back? You was a dummy! <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, Arsenio, it was really great to meet you. Thanks so much for being here.
1: This was a lot of fun, man. And keep doing what you're doing, dog. And thanks. When I was in Atlanta and my my special on Netflix came out, your people invited me. And we had never met. And obviously, I couldn't leave Atlanta then. But uh, I really appreciate that, man. And uh, thanks for having me today. Well, I've
0: I've wanted to meet you for a long time. And please give my best and my thanks to your mom.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to send you this. I'm putting it in FedEx.
0: Please, and I hope to see you when we have an audience so they can enjoy this as much as I did. I would love to come to the Ed Sullivan Theater, dog. You can see Coming to America on Amazon starting Friday, March 5th. Arsenio Hall, everybody. This has been The Late Show Pancho, with Stephen Colbert. We'll be dropping classic bits and celebrity interviews seven days a week while the show's away on summer break. The Late Show will be back on September 6th with all new episodes. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For more exclusive Late Show content,
1: follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. John Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoying
0: this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two minute survey all about getting to know you.